When they were just starting the high school years, my husband was laid off from his corporate job that he had had for 15 years. And he got another job pretty quickly, a consulting job, but then was laid off again. And then the stock market crashed. You know, we, we did everything right. And we still had this financial issue. And the money just started to run out in a hurry. We had no choice but to declare bankruptcy. And this bankruptcy was liquidation, Brendan. It was everything had to be sold. If you could touch it, it was gone. Hello and welcome to ADHD Essentials, part of the ADHD Rewired Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brendan Mahan. I'm a former teacher and mental health clinician turned ADHD coach, trainer, and consultant. I can be reached at brendan at ADHDessentials.com. Here at ADHD Essentials, we help families develop the skills and knowledge needed to better manage attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. Visit ADHDessentials.com for more details. What's up, team? I've been approached by TeePublic to open a merch store. So, in the not-too-distant future, you will have the opportunity to represent the pod with your very own t-shirt, hoodie, or mug. And maybe even a notebook. The two designs I will be starting with will be the podcast logo and the phrase ADHD, Life on Hard Mode. If you have any ideas for what should be put on the merch, send them to me at brendan at ADHDessentials.com. And of course, check out our partner podcasts, ADHD Rewired with Eric Tivers, Hacking Your ADHD with Will Kerb, ADHD Diversified with MJ, and the ADHD Friendly Lifestyle with Moira Maven. Don't forget to join all three of us for a live Q&A the second Tuesday of every month at 1.30 p.m. Eastern. Go to ADHDrewired.com slash events to register and to get a little more information. If you want to support this show, a great way to do so is to provide a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your podcast player of choice. It helps others find us through that wonderful algorithm magic. Welcome to the show. Today, we're talking to Denise Thomas. Denise helps equip parents to take an active role in supporting their children to live a life of greater financial freedom by teaching them how to reduce or eliminate their kids' college debt. Her mission is to flip the student debt statistic in the United States. In this episode, Denise talks about how she sent her kids to college debt-free, and she shares strategies for you to do the same. She tells us about how her family's financial hardship forced her to find alternative ways to fund her children's college, shares the three things colleges look for in applicants, tells us why it's never too early to start looking into scholarships, and discusses the importance of storytelling and marketing. All right, let's get rolling. Thank you so much, Brendan, for having me on your show. I'm Denise Thomas, your debt-free college coach. And what I do is I help parents put their kids through college debt-free. I know that uh, it's something that most people don't think is really possible. They think that it's uh, a unicorn, so to speak. 
But the truth is a large number of kids graduate college debt-free every single year. So for me, it was, uh, it was something that I had to figure out how to do. And I'm really glad that I did because it worked out fabulously for both of my kids. And now I help other families do it. Before we jump into that, I want to start with a little bit about your son, because you mentioned that he's got ADHD. A lot of times families believe or have this false belief that if their kid has some type of learning disability or learning difference, I prefer to call it that, well, you know, maybe college isn't for them or they're going to struggle in college. The truth is there's nothing you can't do regardless of what your diagnosis may be, whether it's ADHD, whether it's a learning disability, it really doesn't matter. It's all about the effort that you put in. And my son having ADHD, the, the difficulty that we saw was not in, not the fact that he was diagnosed, but the fact that he was diagnosed late. He did not get diagnosed until literally months before we dropped him off to college by himself. And he didn't have a support system. He didn't have an opportunity to figure out this ADHD and learning disability thing. It was new to all of us, but he was on his own to figure it out. So being in college, college in general is a new ball game for, well, everybody who goes to college, you know, high school, I don't care if you're valedictorian, when you go to college, it's a new ball game. It's totally new. It's not going to be like high school was. I don't care how rigorous you think your high school was. It's going to have challenges. But I think that when you have ADHD, you now have different challenges, especially if those academic or emotional challenges have not been addressed prior to well, basically getting tossed to the wolves. So I want to I wanna start with what is your debt-free approach and then maybe play a little bit with how your son's ADHD affected that. First of all, what I want parents and families to understand, and even adults returning to school, there are scholarships for everyone, literally everyone. Scholarships begin as early as kindergarten and go all the way through professional school. Don't stop looking for free money until the last parchment is in hand because the money is out there. But we tend to, tend to stop looking we have our kid accepted to whatever college they wanted to go to. They're happy. Everybody's like, yeah, okay, cool. Now we've got an extra 20 grand we need to find. Well, I guess it's going to have to be loans because, well, you know, the college only offered X number and we need, you know, a larger number, but that's not true. The money can keep coming if you're willing to do the research. If your son or daughter is willing to write the essays, the money is out there. So that's the first thing I want families to know is that the money is there. Second thing, and also equally important, the earlier you start, the more opportunities there are. And not just start looking for scholarships, but start planning for college. I'll give you a, a quick background on myself. We were the typical American family. We did not put any money aside specifically for college costs for our kids. Sure, we thought about it once in a blue moon but never did anything about it. Well, later I find that my husband had in his back of his mind, he was, well, we'll just use the 401k. You know, that's, that's what he was thinking. He didn't say that at the time. And now, because I'm a math geek, 
I know that would have been a really, really bad idea because parents who withdraw even $100,000 out of their retirement and investments of any kind to pay for four years of college at a state school, you're going to lose at least $800,000 of value at retirement. That's for one kid and only if they go for four years. And is that because of compounding interest? It's exactly right. It's the time value of money. So you might think that, oh yeah, we're doing good. We've got, you know, we've got a million already in there and we're set, you know, we're in our forties, it's going to be awesome. Fabulous. Well, how many kids do you have? And the average kid today is not going to college for four years. They're changing majors. Ha ha ha. And I did too. And they're doing things that are keeping them in school five and six years to get the bachelor's degree. But here's another really interesting statistic. 70% of college students graduate with debt every year. But I can do the math. That means 30% are graduating debt-free every single year. Well, when my kids were just starting high school and we homeschooled our kids, when they were just starting the high school years, my husband was laid off from his corporate job that he had had for 15 years. And he got another job pretty quickly, a consulting job, but then was laid off again. And then the stock market crashed. You know, we, we did everything right. And we still had this financial issue. And the money just started to run out in a hurry. We had no choice but to declare bankruptcy. And this bankruptcy was liquidation, Brendan. It was everything had to be sold. If you could touch it, it was gone. That's hard. After 15 plus years of marriage and all the things you work for, it was, it was, it, I would not, I would not wish that on my worst enemy if I had one. It was devastating. And here are my two kids, you know, they're, they're wondering why do my toys have to go, right? Because kids don't understand, even if they are teenagers, they don't get that. What is it? I, I don't get this. Why is everything I own also have to go? To make matters worse, we had to move into a small apartment because our house was being foreclosed on with the bankruptcy, which meant our two dogs also had to go to another family. If you're dog people, you get it. These were my furry children. I'm sorry. It was, it was really devastating. Um, but, you know, a few months later, we're settled into this small apartment uh, because the economy and everything else and the industry my husband was in was not hiring, we bought a lawnmower and a trailer and started mowing lawns to put food on the table. This is right before my kids are starting high school. At this point, I start realizing, wait a minute, college is four years away. How the heck are we going to pay for this? We have no savings. We have no 401k to borrow against. We have no house to borrow the equity from. And oh yeah, by the way, that bankruptcy means we don't have credit to co-sign for those student loans. You see, that's one thing that people forget. Your kid really can only get a small amount of student loans on their own. The rest of it, parents or grandparents are co-signing for hundreds of thousands of dollars in student debt for their kids. That took that off the table right away. So that was my dilemma. And that's when I found that 30% are graduating debt-free. I had to figure out what the heck are they doing that the rest of us don't know about. And the two things that came together for me was A, how are we going to pay for it? And B, 
will they even be accepted to college because they're homeschooled? Are colleges going to accept my, you know, I filled it out on an Excel spreadsheet type of transcript. So what I did at the time was I tried to figure out how do I let colleges know that my kids are more than a GPA and a test score? How do I show them that my kids are great? They're awesome. They'd be a, an asset on college campus, you know, and you really want this kid to be an alumni. What came out of what was created was nothing shy of a miracle. When my daughter submitted her first college application using this package that I created, three days later, the college called the house and said, we received your daughter's application, but did not receive the application fee. Now, Brandon, let me pause for a moment. Not receiving the fee, that means the application should end up in a pile that would never see the light of day because the check would never come. If you don't do everything in a college application, they're not taking you. Yeah, I'm with you. No, and they're not calling you. They're not going to let you know. That's your responsibility, right? But he called and he said, we received the application, but did not receive the application fee. We'd like to offer her tuition, fees, room, board, and books, but we need the fee to process the scholarship. Brendan, I was like shocked. Yeah. What's in this packet? Well, I tell you, it, it, it really was curious because I, at first I, I didn't quite understand what it was. What did we do right? And she repeated this same package with the eight schools that she applied to. She applied to state and private schools across three different states. Uh, you know, some of them were Christian schools, some were public schools, just whatever, big variety in those eight schools. And I asked my daughter, what made this different? Because we got the same reaction out of all the different schools. And she said, and this is years later, she said, it's the difference between Disney World and Six Flags. Six Flags Amusement Park and, and Disney have the same things. They both have the same components. They both got rides, they've got food, they've got entertainment, but Disney does two things differently, marketing and storytelling. And that's the difference in this application package. It's literally marketing your child to the colleges for what they want, not the other way around. You see, we're so used to buying into colleges marketing to us. Why don't we flip that and do it the other way around? So here we had an opportunity to, to figure out that colleges are literally looking for three things. They want to know is your kid going to graduate? Are they going to pass the classes and graduate? Because their graduation statistics, well, that affects their, their rankings and such. The second thing they're looking for is how do you fit into the campus community? What kind of contribution is your child going to make to their campus community? And the third thing is what kind of an alumni will you be? How will you as an adult reflect back on your alma mater? later years coming down the road. It was really interesting how all of these factors pooled together accidentally, because I, I only, my goal was to prove that my kid was awesome, that my, to prove that my kid was more than a GPA and a test score. That was it, that was the goal. But what we accomplished was way more than what we thought was possible. At the same time, because this was, my daughter was a junior. And when we got this phone call from this, this college, 
although he offered this fabulous scholarship, I'm a skeptic, Brandon. I'm not going to go hog wild and get all excited, you know, because he's going, oh, yeah, we're going to give all this big money. Okay, maybe he's made a mistake. That's what's going on in my head. So I asked, okay, so you do know she's a junior. And he said, yes, ma'am, we'll wait for her. Wow. And as I said, she applied to eight schools. Well, eventually she had to make up her mind and choose one of the schools because she was admitted to accepted to all of them with scholarships. So when she got to the bottom line, I want to say it was probably March of her senior year. I said, sweetheart, it's time. Make a decision. You've got everything you need. You, you know what, how much money it's going to be for each one. And I said, let's, let's start narrowing it down. At least tell me public or private. Let's go there. And then from there, we'll narrow it even further. So she eventually made her choice. And she's quite formal. She's the kind of young lady that will send, you know, a thank you note when she gets a gift. So she sent a formal letter to each of the schools she was not going to attend, withdrawing her application, rescinding those scholarships, putting them back on the table for other students. Then she gets a phone call from one of the schools that she had turned down asking, what can we do to get you to come here? And they proceeded to offer everything they possibly could. Brendan, that's what happens when the college can see your child making a contribution to their campus, when they can see that this is the success we're looking for, this is the alumni we're looking for, you're golden. That's interesting, the perspective of sort of marketing to the schools in terms of what they want. And those three components of will I graduate, what's my contribution to campus life going to be, and then what kind of an alumni will I be? That actually explains some things to me about myself. <laughs> because <laughs> I, um, I don't know, let's say I limped out of high school. I think that's a fair way to put it. I was bottom half of my class. But at UMass Amherst, which is where I went for undergrad, they had a program called the Talent Advancement Program, and various majors were they were called TAPs. So there's like English TAP and Psych TAP and Math TAP and all this kind of stuff. And I was in Psych TAP. I was in Psychology Talent Advancement Program. The way it worked was we were sort of a subset of the psychology department. So we all lived on the same floor in a, in a building in Southwest on this big, like 22-story tall skyscraper. Um, and we all took classes together, including some classes that are like, filter classes that we had 12 people in so instead of being in psych 101 with 300 students i was in psych 101 with 12 to 15 other kids wow yeah and it's the the program got created because southwest was like the party campus of umass amherst and in an effort to calm that down they plugged in this tap program into southwest hoping to get more diligent students but I was not a diligent student. What I was, though, was a really good citizen of my high school. So I was in student council and I created like an anti-drug program my senior year and did a lot of those kinds of things. I was like in chorus and, and like just clubs and activities and things. So I was a good citizen, never got in trouble, um, had a good relationship with all my teachers. So my guess is that they looked at me and said, He's a good fit because he's going to add to the community life and the, the campus life of this school, as opposed to he's going to be the stellar academic kid. Absolutely. And, and one of the things that 
people don't realize there, there literally is, the, you can look, you can Google it. There's a spreadsheet. Uh, it's, it's a dot spreadsheet for Harvard. And it shows you the GPA and the SAT scores of the students they admitted and the students that they turned down. It's literally all over the map. Mm -hmm. You can get 2.6, 2.8 students being accepted. And you have students that with a 4.0 that were not. You might think it's a crapshoot, but it's more than just GPA and test scores. That's what they're looking for. That's what all the schools are looking for. When it comes to getting our kids in for debt-free or at least significantly reduced debt. So one, one approach, one piece of the approach, I should say, is like effective marketing. And, and obviously the back end of that is doing the things you need to do to be appealing to a school, right? You can't just make it up if you haven't done those things. That's why you can't wait until senior year. And unfortunately, that's one of the, I call it a myths or, or a lie that we've bought into for the last three decades that everyone says, well, wait until junior year to do that. Wait until senior year to do that. And the truth is you've got to start earlier. If your family is, is on that cusp where your kid is about to be a senior or they are a senior, uh, you're not too late, but you have a lot to do. If your child is a junior, if they're a freshman, if they're a sophomore, if they're in eighth grade, let's get on the phone because there are things that you can do now that will make a huge difference by the time your child is applying to colleges and applying to private scholarships. I'll give you an example here. When my daughter, and I mentioned my daughter just because she was my guinea pig, she was the first. So we learned the hard way with some of these things with her. When she was a senior, she applied to one of the largest scholarships in the country. This scholarship, giving a lot of money, starts with nine pages of check boxes that have to go through a computer. If you don't have enough boxes checked, you don't get to the real application afterwards. Now, my daughter had a really impressive resume. She had started ballroom dancing at age nine. She was teaching, volunteering, teaching ballroom dance at age 12. At age 14, was competing and winning regional competitions. And by age 16, she was teaching for pay. So she was an entrepreneur. Her resume was fabulous, but she could not check enough boxes on that form because this form was full of typical high school activities and leadership roles. So creating a, a nonprofit or something to that nature is not going to be on there. You can't check that box. Her application got nowhere. However, my son is five and a half years younger than she is. When he began high school, haha, now I've got the application. I know what boxes need to be checked. So I partnered with another homeschool parent and we created opportunities for our kids to be able to check these boxes. So by the time my son was applying for this very same scholarship as a high school senior, he could check enough boxes. He could get to the real application where you can write down what you really did. He became a Coca-Cola semifinalist. Wow. You don't know what you don't know. You've got to start early. Yeah. And you have to know what you're aiming for, right? You've yeah. got to do your, your due diligence well in advance because it takes a little while to do the things that are needed and expected in the various scholarships that that you might be applying to how do we find those scholarships well you know i've there's there's two schools of thought where scholarships are concerned concerned and it's more than just finding scholarships i was on a stage in california before COVID hit i live in florida so travel got shut down right after that 
But when I stepped off the stage, I had just finished explaining what my kids were able to accomplish. And here's a really cool thing you can do too. And this mom came up to me and said, your kids must be geniuses because my daughter applied to 40 scholarships and won none. My heart sank because I realized what I had not mentioned from the stage. And now I make sure that I do is that half of the scholarships my children won did not even ask for GPA or test scores. Between my two homeschooled kids, they won 17 scholarships totaling $199,000. Wow. They both got four years of college debt-free with cash left over. My daughter ended up with $4,000 after she graduated. And my son ended up with $10,000 after he graduated. There are so many opportunities out there, but it's not just finding scholarships. People think that it's hard to find scholarships. Finding scholarships is actually a lot easier than you think. There are 1.7 million scholarship opportunities for a total of $23 billion every single year. And as I mentioned, it starts in kindergarten. The money is out there. So finding them is not as hard as you think, but winning them again, just like with college applications takes strategy. There's a strategy for winning and for finding the right ones that your child has the best opportunities to win. You sort of guide people in that more personalized approach to how do I win the scholarships and how do I determine which scholarships are best for my kid? My course is called Cracking the Code to Free College because there is, I believe, a code to it. There's a strategy that works. And I took it upon myself to find out not only what this 30,000 kids are or actually 30%, 600,000 kids are doing every year, but it's more than just finding scholarships. It's academic. It's how do you show your show off your child as being, you know, like I said, awesome that this is this is what you really want. It's also choosing the right colleges to apply to. With the number of scholarships my children had, choosing the right college was also important. And here's why. Not every college allows your child to stack outside scholarships. Some of them limit outside scholarships or limit all the scholarships to be no more than tuition and fees. Need room and board, you need to come up with that yourself. Or sometimes they will allow those extra scholarships to cover room and board, but they won't let you have the overage. They're going to send it back to the scholarship corporation. So I want you applying to colleges that let you keep the cash. They're going to send you a check or deposit it directly into your bank account. Yeah, because that's books. Thank you. <laughs> it's books. It could be travel. It could be anything. It could be a new computer. There's clearly a lot to think about in this. Um, and I, I greatly appreciate you coming on and, and kind of getting us starting to think in this direction. Um, but I'm also, I'm also looking at the clock and I realize that we're running out of time. So just being mindful of time, do you have any ending essentials that you'd like to share with our audience? I do. And, and I, again, I want you to know that your kid can do this, even if they have name, whatever ailment that you think they have, that they have or don't have, or you might think they have, doesn't matter. Your kids can do this. They can go to college debt-free. I have several opportunities on my website for you to connect with me, but what's the easiest is a free gift called the knowledge is power ebook series. It has a range of opportunities, a range of eBooks that depending on where you are in the high school to college process, you choose which of these eBooks you're interested in. 
There's even stuff for middle school families, just whatever it is, wherever you are, choose what works for you. I want to help families to have their kids go to college without this debilitating debt that we hear so much about in the news. Hey, you're still here. Nice. Thanks for staying focused all the way through. If you have any thoughts or questions about today's episode, feel free to email me at brendan at adhdessentials.com. And don't forget to check out the website, adhdessentials.com, and visit our Facebook community. I'm looking forward to talking to you again next week. In the meantime, keep focusing on improvement over perfection. 10% better is all you need.